Welcome to the Codcast, Commonwealth Magazine's weekly podcast about politics and policies and the people with impact and insight on both. My name is Jack Sullivan. I'm a reporter for Commonwealth. Anyone over the age of 20 knows the old jingle. Sears has everything. The problem these days is finding a Sears store to buy anything. Sears, the longtime Chicago-based retailer, has announced it's closing 150 Sears and Kmart stores And this comes at the same time another iconic name in retailing, Macy's, says it too will shutter about 100 stores. Both chains, citing anemic holiday sales as the reason, have targeted several stores in Massachusetts, and the closings mean the loss of thousands of jobs here and around the country. The question is, is this a matter of economic Darwinism, or are they canaries in the retail coal mine? Joining us to talk about the impact of the announcements are two people with deep knowledge about the retail industry and its place in the state's economy. David Harris is Associate Managing Editor of the Boston Business Journal, who oversees that publication's digital content, and the former Editorial Director for the Warren Group, which includes the Real Estate and Retail Bible, Banker, and Tradesman. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. And we appreciate you getting here. Um, also with us is uh, John Hurst, longtime president of the Retailers Association of Massachusetts, the nearly century-old advocacy group for the retail industry in the Bay State. John has extensive experience both in Massachusetts and Ohio in dealing with government on behalf of the industry and helping shape the regulations governing retailers. Welcome, John. Hi, Jack. Great to be here. Thanks. And uh, let me open first with a little disclosure. We're recording this for the second time after a technical glitch last week corrupted our first conversation. So if it sounds like we know what the questions are that are coming, we do. (laughs) Um, So, David, let me start with you, as we did last week. Um, How did we get here, and how much of a surprise are these announcements? Um, Well, uh, as you know, brick-and-mortar retail stores have been facing uh, a lot of competition from online uh, retailers and discount retailers alike. Um, This has been kind of a slow trend that's been happening. It it might be accelerating to some degree, but um, last week, as you know, uh, Sears Holding Company, which owns Sears and Kmart, uh, disclosed that it was closing 150 unprofitable stores. Um, Macy's announced it was closing 68 stores uh, across the country um, out of 870 stores. Um, And uh, they both cited poor holiday sales, but uh, in Macy's case, they did say that uh, they did say that they were going to close stores back in August. Um, And in Sears' case, uh, they've been experiencing um, really um, increased uh, uh, unprofitability um, over the past five years, they've experienced about $8 billion in losses. Um, so these are uh, tough times for brick and mortar. Well, John, I, I don't think I'm dating myself when I say I remember Leach Mayors and Bradley's, Filene's, Jordan Marsh, um, though I probably would be dating myself if I mentioned Woolworths or Mammoth Mart or Zares. Um, those chains are all memories now. So so there is a history of, of, of chains uh, closing of stores closing, but this feels somewhat different to me. Is it? I, I think it is, Jack. I, you know, I've been in my position now. I'm starting my 27th year, and that was going through a time. You know, it was a difficult time in the industry and in the commercial real estate market in the early uh, 90s. 
and uh, there was a lot of shake out there, no question. But uh, um, it's happening again, but it is it is different. And and look, I, I you know technology what is makes, changing what makes everything. It different, John? I, the technology is changing everything. It's it's changing every industry. Uh, you look at what's happened with online sales. Fifteen years ago, Jack. Um, during a holiday season, you know, maybe 2001, you would have been looking at one to two percent online people buying on a desktop in their office, you know, or maybe in the home if they had high-speed internet. Then it moved to people moved to laptops and and then tablets. Last few years, uh, the smartphone, uh, mobile commerce has changed everything, and things have just accelerated. This past holiday season, uh, some estimates show that about 18 percent of all sales were. Uh, bought online. Yeah, I actually saw a report earlier this morning that first data said that 21% uh, online by their surveys, uh, which is wow. a significant chunk, I would right. think. David, what, when you look at uh, internet commerce, it and, and we know from our business that, that the internet has had a uh, deleterious effect on uh, newspapers. And in some ways, one of the, one of the things that hurt is that uh, um, retail stores have migrated their advertising away from newspapers because it doesn't have that impact. But now it seems that it, it's coming home to roost with um, uh, with the retail industry. What kind of an impact does that have for the state's economy? Um, well, I mean, uh, it, it, certainly these closings are, are not going to have a, a positive impact, but uh, there is, as, as we've kind of explained, that there is a, a transition to online retail. There are jobs coming to Massachusetts as a result of technology. It's not. It's not that technology is bad. It's a, it's a shifting environment, though. And um, you know, Amazon is hiring a, a lot of people down in Fall River for a distribution center. Um, there are changes that we're seeing. We're also seeing changes happening um, uh, with you know, customer preferences around the experience of going to a retail store. The Apple store changed a lot about retail, and a lot of other retailers are trying to emulate that. Um, so uh, it, it's it's definitely a change that's happening, um, and um, and we'll see we'll see what happens next. Well, it, 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 I, I understand what David's saying, John, when you talk about, uh, you know, we, we may be losing it in one sector, but we're gaining it in another. Um, but but when you look at this migration to online, um, the impact is you know on taxes, on revenues, on um, jobs that uh, um, you know may not necessarily be the uh, the high tech positions. Um, it, what it, it, what does that mean to the consumer? I mean, if it, as a consumer, if I want a new coat, I don't have to go to Macy's to go get it. I can go online and get it, and, and probably get it cheaper. So. What, right. what kind of an impact does this have on me then, as a consumer? Well, look, I you know there's there's a huge impact on on the consumer, and and and, and we frankly need a better job, do, need to do a better job of educating the consumer that where they do spend their 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 dollars uh, impacts jobs. I, you know, you, they need to shop like jobs uh, depend on it because they do. Look, I, I you know stores have to evolve with the consumer, and the consumer has to understand that where they're sending their dollars. They can choose to send their dollars and keep them in our local economy. That means jobs. That means, you know, commercial property taxes. Uh, you know, that, that means uh, evolving and, and, and circulating that money in our economy. Or they can send it uh, elsewhere. But 
you know, retailers need to do also need to do a better job at at giving the consumer more options, and they need to reinvent themselves. You know, you look at a typical department store today. A, a Macy's, about 20% of their sales are online. Uh, a, a Nordstrom's, about 30% of their their sales are online. These department stores are. I think they're going to still be around. They're going to be smaller footprints and, and, and less numbers of them, but they're going to be combining and marketing to their customers in multiple ways. They're going to be they're going to be uh, allowing the customer to buy online and pick up in the store, and and also, you know, buy go uh, browsing in the store for impulse buys, and if they don't have the right size, you know, have it delivered to their front doorstep the next day, you know, right through their smartphone. Uh, you know, inventories are going to be less, uh, square footage are going to be less, and they have to reinvent themselves. You look at Sears, you know, up in Burlington, they they are now one floor. It's going to be the same thing down at the South Shore Plaza, one floor, and the other floor is Primark. So um, it, it's, the malls are going to change, the stores are going to change. Uh, it, not, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to sh- spend all their money online. Even a Primark does not, spend, does not take a, a, a market online, does not have online commerce, neither does TJX. Uh, but uh, clearly the, the more dollars, and particularly the millennial dollars, are going online. Well, you, you brought up, uh, we spoke last week, um, you brought up a to me a fascinating um, um, figure as far as malls go um, about the square footage of malls and how this is going to uh, change the the looks of malls. Could you uh, go a little through that again? Yeah, you know it's it's it was remarkable when I first heard it. There's forty thousand square feet of commercial space in this country for every man, woman, and child, and you compare that to uh, Canada where it's about twelve thousand and the UK about eleven thousand. Uh, and that's really before we even flush out this growing, this, this changing evolution, you know, of online sales. So, you know, look, we we are overstored. We're we're overdeveloped, and and remarkably, we're still building more stores. A lot of it is driven by uh, desire to to build the uh, live, work, play type of one-stop. Um, uh, developments near public transportation and so forth, which are all great ideas, and some of it's driven by investment dollars into real estate investment trusts. Uh, but you know, we we do have to recognize the fact that we have too many stores, we have too much square footage, and uh, there's going to be some impact upon uh, our, our communities and our our commercial property taxes. Well, what's interesting to me is, um, and, and we spoke about this before, David, uh, the. The closures that we're looking at with Sears and with um, uh, Macy's in Massachusetts are in the south, south coast area. Um, it's Brockton, it's Taunton, and uh, Fairhaven, and, and South Attleboro. What does that say about our state's economy when, when those are the areas that are closing up, those are the areas that the stores are unprofitable? Well, I think um, it, it, it does show that maybe the, there are areas of the state that are not as strong as Boston proper. And, um, and, and I think this kind of illustrates that fact a little bit. A lot of these stores are in sort of aging shopping centers that haven't been given the TLC that they probably deserve. I think John, what John was saying is a lot of the newer developments are uh, there's a lot of investment in those newer developments that cater to young urban professionals or, or suburban professionals that prefer to have that retail mixed with uh, living and and working. Um, so um, yeah, it's it's not it's not um, it, it could be better for a lot of these places. Is 
you you had mentioned uh, a little bit ago and 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 that it's it's online but it's also these discount stores but just this week um the limited the uh, uh discount uh, clothing chain announced they're going to close all 250 of their stores and we have a few limiteds again around Massachusetts so so is it is it that the the internet is a bigger um bigfoot than 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 we than we look maybe it's not just the the um the competition at at the brick and mortar level that it really is this online uh, behemoth that's growing yeah i mean it it's a it's a huge um shift that's occurring uh, people are definitely they definitely want a, a very easy uh, mobile friendly experience that they can tap into on their smartphones um so you are seeing um uh, the result of some of that, I think, uh, in the limited's case, it, it it might be a little bit more complicated, but um, but certainly um, the the competition from discount retailers like TJ Maxx and Marshalls and uh, Uniqlo and Primark are having an equal effect too. Right, and and really, and also the limited's. Uh, typical shopper is is relatively young and and more likely to also jump on uh, the smartphone or go to a Primark competition. No question about that. Well, w- when we're looking at this, John, and you have a lot of experience in in, in dealing with the government, um, the the impact that it has for policymakers, lawmakers, and, and and regulators and officials, what do they have to look at with this? I know in December, for instance, uh, the DOR recently reported that w- there was a 1.8% increase in uh, sales tax collections. That's not much. No, it's uh, not much, particularly when a lot of that goes to automobiles, which that you can avoid, that you can't avoid that tax, or to restaurants that you really can't avoid either. No one goes to the internet or to New Hampshire for, for a, a dinner. Um, you know, look, I, the, the problem that we are going to have to deal with on a public policy standpoint is we need to take a close look at whether we're discriminating under state law against our local retailers and their employees and their customers. Um, you know, you can you need to look no further than the sales tax, uh, which not only we've known for, you know, uh, four decades or more, it's the most regressive tax on the books, but it's also 100% avoidable. Uh, and, and, and it's becoming more avoidable uh, with the progression of, of mobile commerce. And, and frankly, it's, it's even more regressive because uh, it's the higher in- earning income folks that have a credit card that can buy online as opposed to, to low income. Everyone's been waiting for Congress to bail out the states, you know, to, to overturn a 1992 Supreme Court decision that is prohibiting states from making out-of-state uh, marketers, sellers from collecting a state's sales tax. Uh, but Congress hasn't acted, and, and why should they? Because it's not their tax. Um, you know, they do they really want to get blamed for, quote, creating a tax on the Internet, so they haven't acted. So we need to do something about leveling the playing field. You know, look, we didn't even get a sales tax holiday this past year. Two, two lousy days compared to 365 of tax-free days uh, online. We, we've got to do something to incent our our consumers to spend in our economy, not someone else's. And then we also have mandates like the blue laws. They've been around, you know, for more than four decades, and, and they only require retailers, and it's only in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, to pay time and a half pay on Sundays and six holidays. That's 58 days a year, which comes to 17% of all retail sales days. 
closer to 20 to 25% of all retail sales, you're paying time and a half. You know, we just went to $11 on minimum wage in a retail store on a Sunday or holiday, the minimum wage is $16.50, even for a teenager. And, and the unions and others want to go to $15, that would be $22.50. We cannot afford to have, you know, some of these old, old laws in place in the day of the smartphone that's, you know, frankly, putting our local, the home team at a huge disadvantage. Well, I, I, I have a question actually, and, and I don't know that it's tangential to it, but it's something that just, uh, when you were talking about the uh, Supreme Court decision on uh, tax collection, uh, Massachusetts, when you file your income tax, asks you if you have purchased items out, out of the state, and they say that you um, are obligated to pay that tax in Massachusetts, even if you, say, bought tires in, in New Hampshire. How can they do that then? Well, that's called a use tax. Uh, and, of course, we're, you know, the Commonwealth is asking the, the consumer, the taxpayer, to be honest and to report those uh, taxes. Let's, let's face it, most of them don't. Uh, but if they can do that, why can't they collect from um, you know from Amazon or well? From eBay well, the, the the question is, you see, it's it's a use. It's a question of who collects, uh, who remits that money. Uh, right now, under federal law, a Commonwealth of Massachusetts can't make a seller from you know some any other other forty nine state collect Massachusetts sales tax if they don't have facilities or employment in Massachusetts. That's called tax nexus. Uh, that doesn't mean that the taxes isn't still due, but they don't have to collect it. It means that the, the purchaser, the consumer, is supposed to remit it to the state. Obviously, that virtually never happens. So if I buy something from L.L. Bean up in Maine, um, it's my obligation to pay for uh, the tax, not, not L.L. Bean's to collect it? That, that, that's correct, although L.L. Bean now has a couple stores in Massachusetts, right. so they will collect here in Massachusetts. But a Overstock.com and eBay will not. John, um, David, let me ask you, what, John talked about um, the, uh, the impact on the economy, on jobs, you know, paying for teenagers and stuff. I know when I grew up, um, I worked at Sears, you know, when I was, when I was younger. I uh, worked in the boys' department back when um, um, they had the Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts uniforms there uh, and everything. And it seemed to be a rite of passage to, to, to get a job at a store, whether it's Sears or, or Jordan Marsh or someplace like that. What is this going to do to the economy? What's it going to do for job prospects for younger, um, unskilled uh, types of workers? That's an interesting question. I, I actually worked at Staples uh, for a summer in high school, so um, I, I know the retail world well. Um, yeah, I mean, retail is one of the largest sectors in Massachusetts. Um, I think the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has uh, about 114,000 retail salespeople uh, as of, uh, in Massachusetts as of May 2015. So it's still a, a huge segment of, uh, the, uh, of jobs in Massachusetts. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely changes the dynamics of, um, you know, how um, maybe the job prospects of certain um, kids out there or young people. But um, retail is still pretty strong in this state, and I don't think that's going to change. It's just evolving. Yeah, and, and we need and we need laws to, to uh, evolve with it. We need the local stores to get particularly the mom and pops to evolve, particularly get into the uh, mobile commerce uh, realm. And, and we need to do a better job of, of reminding and, uh, our, our consumers that, 
you know, where, where they shop, where they spend their dollars uh, does have an impact on jobs. And, and you know, they, they, they shouldn't just be thinking about Main Street on Small Business Saturday. They need to be thinking about uh, local retailers. If they want to uh, promote, protect, and preserve our Main Streets in the Commonwealth, and most of us do, you have to do that with your dollars. And, uh, and you know, right now, um, you know, I'm, I'm afraid this is the time of year, Jack, that, you know, the January through April time that you start seeing these dark storefronts. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, some of them get the headlines, whether it's the Macy's and so forth, and, and then the, all these little mom and pops, you know, go uh, unnoticed except by uh, their employees and customers. And, 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 and that's troubling, and, and we've got to do something. I, I want to put more of a spotlight on this. I, I believe Beacon Hill needs to make this a top priority, and I think it's frankly gotten lip service to, to date, uh, helping out small and businesses in our John, main streets. What do you mean by uh, they need to make it a top priority? I, I think I think promoting small businesses, there's no main streets office in Massachusetts. There are in virtually 49 states. Uh, nobody really um, coordinating messaging to our customers and, and, and coordinating some of these local uh, good, uh, good intentioned efforts by local chambers and main street organizations and connecting them with the national organization, Main Street's organization. Uh, we need to, you know, do more there. Uh, we need to get rid of these uh, blue laws and, and do something about the sales tax, whether it's, you know, uh, apply, making sure it's applied to the uh, online seller or lower it here or have make sure we have a permanent sales tax holiday. And, uh, you know, we need, to, we, we need to make it a priority. And right now, I think everybody says they support Main Street's and supports retailers, but, um, uh, you know, the question is, what are they doing 364 days a year when they are, you know, they're out there with the photo ops on Small Business Saturday? What are they doing the other part of the year? Well, that, that, that brings up a good point, um, David. When, when I was growing up, um, malls were just beginning to be built around. I mean, Shoppers World was one of the first ones in the country, and I remember when that was first built. I was living out in that area in Central Mass. But 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 the nexus for shopping was the downtown area. You know, you would go downtown, you would walk around, uh, things like that. Then the malls came and it drew them all away from downtown. Now, as John talked about and as we've talked about here, malls are changing. You know, it, it, it's no longer, you know, Sears at one co one end and, and, and Macy's at another. You know, you've got a, uh, a pump and jump in there, a trampoline sky zone place, or pins. You know, they're becoming more um, uh, more about entertainment and, and more about, you know, one stop as opposed to, you know, you go to, um, you go to Sears and then you walk through the mall. As they get away from that, where are they going to go then? I mean, are they going to go downtown? Are they going to return there? Or, or, you know, what do the malls look like? Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's a good point. There's, a, there's so much change going on in, um, in, in the retail world, um, and real estate is a big component of that, obviously. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you're, I mean, right, you've seen attention put on developments like in Assembly Square that have a lot of restaurants and retail and um, just kind of, again, the experience is, is a lot different than the old malls. Um, and But I, th I think that... Um, you're seeing sort of an urban renaissance. I know like in downtown crossing, for instance, you're seeing, uh, you know, a lot of changes going on as a result of millennium tower and 
the development of the old Filene's building, which of course was like the, you know, center of the retail world in Boston um, before, and it's getting sort of a, a, there's a renaissance going on around there. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the podcast. I want to thank David Harris of the Boston Business Journal and John Hurst of the Retailers Association of Massachusetts for joining us today. Thank you both. And you can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud or download it on iTunes. You can also go to our website at www.commonwealthmagazine.org, click on the fish and listen. Thanks for tuning in and hope you come back next week for another episode of the podcast. Look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it.